Welcome back to the Study with the Ant podcast. I'm glad you're listening today. So, what are we going to talk about? Uh, that's always the, the interesting part, is deciding what topic to discuss or what person to talk about. Uh, I've only done about seven podcasts so far, so... Um, definitely have a wide range of, of things we can talk about still that we haven't touched on. But that's the hard part, is deciding, well, which part do we go on? Uh, but th- this this podcast today came from a, I'm not even sure what, just a thought that I had. I was curious what the 10 most popular Bible stories were, if you would just like to Google it and say, what are the most popular Bible stories? And these are the 10 that popped up. Um, It depends really on which source you go with. I went to a couple different places. You get a little bit of a mixed answer, but a couple of the stories are the same throughout. They're the same ones in the top 10. So those that I have, um, these aren't necessarily ranked in order, just these are the 10. So they are um, Jesus' crucifixion, David and Goliath, Jesus' birth, Jonah and the whale, Adam and Eve, Daniel in the lion's den, creation, the resurrection, Joseph and his colorful coat, and of course, Noah and the ark. So those kind of tend to be the 10 most popular or most well-known Bible stories. So if you've ever been to Sunday school, if you only went to, um, you know, church on maybe Easter or Christmas, then of course you're going to know resurrection and you're going to know uh, Jesus' birth very well. But for, for many other um, Sunday school students or junior church students, many of the same stories get taught kind of over and over a little bit. Um, and there's reasons behind that. But those are just, you know, that's just 10. That's 10 Bible stories. Have you ever wondered how many Bible stories there actually are in the Bible? That, I think, is where my my thought process came from. It's like, wait, how many Bible stories are there actually? So, I don't really have the time to go count them all, but I did find a source that gave an estimate. I, I think it would be very hard to conclusively say how many stories specifically are in the Bible, because it depends on the breakdown. If you're breaking down certain events into smaller sections or keeping it broader, so it's just very difficult to have a precise number. But a online website called Good Soil Evangelism, they estimate that there are between 600 to 800 unique events or stories contained in the Bible. Now, we'll just go with a lower number of 600. Uh, If you divide that by 52 weeks, it would take 11.5 years to teach each of the 600 stories in the Bible. So, one Sunday, you know, just one Sunday school class a week, or one junior church class a week, it would take 11 and a half years to teach or to talk about or to slightly cover um, all of these stories, which is amazing. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's so hard to think, oh, there's this many Bible stories, but there are really that many. Now, take a minute, think back. When you were a child, and, and perhaps if you went to Sunday school or junior church, one of those things, um, how many Bible stories do you remember hearing? 
did you tend to kind of hear the same ones over and over, or did you hear a lot of different ones? Before we go any farther, I just want to make it clear that this podcast is not intended to speak badly of Sunday school teachers or junior church teachers who maybe repeat the same lessons uh, many times. That's not my intent at all. Um, I have taught Sunday school, I've taught Bible clubs, and I'm currently helping teach a junior um, church class. So I know that there are stories that are very difficult to explain or to teach to kids for a myriad of reasons. Um, just ones that maybe you're uncomfortable teaching it, or um, it's maybe a little hard to explain if you don't understand it clearly. But there's other stories like David and Goliath where it's a lot of fun, it's it's an active lesson, it's, it has an easy lesson to teach kids, and that it's something that kids can relate to. So the point I want to make is not that it's it's bad that we're not teaching more stories, or for more a wider variety of stories in Sunday school or children's church, but rather that there is still so much for us to learn from the Bible. As kids, we need um, a certain. We have a certain understanding. Um, we can't understand maybe the deep theological. Um, things that the, the Bible stories are teaching, but we need those simple truths, which is still very important. It's still important for us to remember those simple truths, but also to be able to expand on that. So now as adults, it might be wise for us to go back and look at those stories again. Personally, I like to learn from Bible stories of the Bible. There are so many parallels between the lives of those people who are in that story and myself. What's important is, though, is that we have to view them as real people. They're not just a story character like you would hear on, on Star Wars or uh, some other show. They are real-life people who lived, God had their story recorded, and we now can learn from them. Um, and when we view them as real people, we can learn about faith, courage, grace, patience, perseverance, and, and the list will go on and on and on. So many character attributes or just how to draw closer to the Lord. These are all things that we can learn from these people in the Bible. So often I've seen people kind of overlook the stories of the Bible to focus solely on doctrine. Now both are essential. Bible stories are, are not just for kids though. They are for everyone to learn from. They help us to maintain a balance between you know, deep theology and, and doctrine and the, the simple reminders of everyday life. Um, you know, it's not... Bible is not just here for us to always learn more. It's also here to be a reminder. And there's many things that we can be reminded of from these stories of the Bible. Now, quickly, um, this will probably be a shorter podcast, but let me share some truths that I have learned from uh, Bible stories over the years. Obviously, this is not be it will not be a uh, 
complete list of things, but just a few, from a few stories, some things that I have learned. Um, first, many people have, will remember the story of Peter walking on the water. So they're in the midst of a storm. The disciples are in the midst of a storm. Jesus was on the mountain praying, and now he's coming to them. He's crossing the water in the midst of the storm to get to the other side of, I believe it was the lake. I forget which lake. And they're scared. They're in the boat. They've been trying to get to shore, and they're, they're kind of stuck. They're not really moving forward anyway. And Peter and the disciples, they see this form walking on the water and they, they, they realize it looks just like Jesus and they're, they're afraid. They're afraid of the storm. They're afraid of what they're seeing now before them. And Peter says, Lord, if it's thou bid me come to thee on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter, he steps out on the, on the water and he's only the second man to ever walk on the water. And he, we don't know how long he walked, but then he starts to sink. What we can learn from this story is, why did he sink? Because he took his eyes off Jesus. When he was focused on looking at Jesus as he stepped out of the boat and put foot in front of foot on that water, he was fine. But as soon as he be began to again be aware of what was around him, of the storm, of the high waves, then he began to sink. This is the, a perfect visual picture of the Christian life, that we can be going on steady, sure, confident, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus. But as soon as we allow our, our vision, our view to be distracted by the world then we begin to sink then we get distracted from what's important from what is right what we're supposed to be doing and it's just the perfect story you know, that perfect illustration of standing on the water and then sinking when your eyes come off of Jesus so I find that story to be fascinating another one that has been helpful to me in recent years um, is the story of David and his, desi his desire to build a temple for the Lord. This is something that was on his heart. He, he, you know, he, he looked around at the palace that he had, and the Lord's, um, the ark of the Lord sat in a tent, which is what the Lord wanted. That was God's intent. God said, hey, make this tabernacle and put the ark inside. But it, it bothered David and he wanted something better for the Lord. And so he, he tells Nathan the prophet of his desire. Nathan says, hey, go ahead and build it. But then God tells Nathan, uh, Nathan, no, David can't build this. Uh, because of David's history, he was a man of war and God did not want him to build this temple. Now, of course, you, you have to realize that David must have been very disappointed. But we never read of David expressing his anger at the Lord, telling him that he could not build this temple. 
and Mania, and he was told no by God. He had this great plan, something that he wanted to do that would glorify, that would magnify God, that anyone who came from other nations would get to see this magnificent temple to the one true God. And he wanted to do that. But God said no. And we don't read of David getting angry, pitching a fit. He was like, okay, well, I can't do it. But you know what he does? I think we overlook this. We accept the fact that David is accepting of what God said. But what we often miss is the fact that David began to prepare for the temple. He was told, no, he personally could not build the temple. But he began to prepare. He began to gather. Um, I forget what all the materials were, but I believe it was like gold and stones and timber. He began to gather things together to prepare things so that his heir, which we know would be Solomon, would be able to build the temple. It would be Things would be set, not 100% ready to go, but that things would be prepared. It would be easier for Solomon because of David's preparation. We don't do that very often. When we're told, no, we can't do something, I don't think we often go and, and prepare or help someone else get ready for something. Um, there's been some things in my life that I've wanted to do that at this point in time, uh, I've been told, no, I can't do. So... I can sit and throw a fit. I've done that. Doesn't do any good. Or I can find a way to help someone else prepare to to get ready to serve the Lord, to study the Bible. Um, there's things that I can do that maybe I can't do what my grand plan is for God, but I can help others fulfill His will. I can help others you know, with whatever they need to get to their um, destination that God wants them to be in. And that's just such a fascinating truth from David that God told him no, but he did not get mad at God. Another example of something we can learn from a Bible story is the story of the brazen serpent on the pole. Now, this story kind of has a twofold purpose. Of course, it has the context of the story itself and that if the people of Israel would trust the Lord by looking at this brazen serpent, they would be healed. We get the idea of look and live. That that expression, look and live, kind of comes from this story. And so all of those who trusted the Lord enough to look, lived. Those who did not trust the Lord, did not live. Now, jumping forward, this, this story is kind of a foreshadowing of what would happen when here a serpent is raised up on a pole, but one day God's son would be raised up on a cross and all those who will look to Jesus will live. Even throughout the Old Testament, there are so many ways we can see 
Jesus. We can see God's plan. We can learn the kind of like things that kind of parallel. It's like, oh, this is similar. This is similar. And we can learn those things to help us understand the Bible better, to see God's consistency throughout the Bible. God doesn't use a lot of new tricks and, and finagled things. He uses the same same kind of, um, he, he's consistent throughout the Bible, which is very nice. It's nice to have a God who is faithful and consistent. And so we can see that through stories such as like the brazen serpent. Another story that I I really like, and I, I feel like this person gets kind of overlooked many times. Um, but if you're looking for, like with David and Goliath, people use David and Goliath as a great story for um, boys and how um, they tr- David trusted the Lord. And so how, you know, kind of geared more towards boys many times where boys can be, you know, um, uh, trust the Lord. But I think for girls, a great story, if you're, if you're teaching girls, a great story to use would be the story of Rhoda in the book of Acts. Rhoda was just a servant, and we get this like tiny, tiny glimpse of of Rhoda. But she's a servant in the house of a woman named Mary, um, who is a believer. And so many of the, the early Christians were at the home of Mary praying while Peter was in prison. Uh, I believe the next day, or very soon after, Peter was supposed to be executed by the ruler. And so they are praying for Peter's um, deliverance or to be strong in death. They didn't know what was going to happen. So they were praying for Peter. And so Rhoda, you know, she's in the house. She has, she's working, maybe bringing food, helping people, but she's hearing these prayers for Peter. And one of her jobs would be to go and answer the door. So she hears a knock at the door. And she goes and she hears Peter's voice. Now, she doesn't think it all through that, hey, if Peter's outside, maybe we need to bring you inside because, you know, there could be guards looking for him. She didn't even think about that. She was just so excited. And without seeing Peter... All she heard was his voice. She knew it was him. She had the faith to believe that Peter was outside that door. She ran back in to tell all the other people, Hey, Peter's outside. I've heard his voice. And they're like, Oh, he's in prison. You can't hear him. But she had such great faith to the point where they're all like, Okay, fine, let's go. I don't know what she's talking about. Let's go see what's going on. And they go out and there is Peter. Now, it's not as exciting of a story as, you know, David conquering a giant Goliath, but it shows the same faith. David had faith that when he put that stone in the sling the Goli- and, and slung it at the giant, Goliath would fall. Rhoda had faith that what she just heard, that voice she heard, was Peter's voice. She didn't need to see him. Because she believed that was him. Just so amazing. So amazing. And so there's so many stories from the Bible where we can learn and be reminded of the faith of the believers who've gone before us. And it's so important to be reminded of them. 
So that's that's all my thoughts for today. But I well, I kind of have one more, I guess. Um, imagine if we were to read and mull over just one of these stories every day. There's there's roughly you know let's say there's six hundred, maybe closer to seven hundred. You know we don't know for sure, but. If we took one of those stories every single day, we'd get through them in about two years. So that's not too long, much faster than 11.5 years. Um, but what could we learn if we would look at one of these stories every day? How would it improve our lives? What could we learn? So I highly recommend you. Um, I would love to go through and make a list at some point of all of the, the Bible stories, break them down into like the sections. Um, if you know someone who's done that, please send me the resource because then I wouldn't have to do it. Um, and I would love to be able to look at that. But if you know someone who's broken down the Bible stories into really uh, like 600 stories, I would love to see it. So please let me know about that. Um, if not, I'm going to start working slowly. It may take a while, uh, slowly working on that myself. And we'll let you know if or when I ever get it done. Um, but I think it would be amazing to be able to just look at each of these stories, these these events, and be able to learn from them. I think it would help us in our Christian life. Um, sometimes we need more practical. We don't need the, the doctrine all the time. Sometimes we need things more practical. The reminder of daily life and what we need to be doing in our daily life to be more like Christ. So, well, those are my thoughts. Thank you for listening to the Study with the Ant podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have a favorite Bible story or something that you've learned a lot from, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. So until next time, have a great day, and I'll talk to you on the next Study with the Ant podcast.